0: It's Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. I'm doubly excited today because my new friend, Chef Deborah Van Trees, is our guest. Now, if you don't know Deborah, I think you've been living under a rock, okay? You're not paying attention, but most of the listeners here are, we have such a mix of listeners and I know you're going to love this podcast. Now, let me tell you one or two things. Debra is a chef and a restaurant owner and a mother, and married. So and busy. So she's just got a, a, a new cookbook author. Debra, when your book first came out, by the way, which I absolutely love, and we're going to talk about that. I just looked at it and I thought, man, this woman's busy. That's all. I mean. <laughs> so thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I know how busy you are. I totally appreciate it. All right. Well, we're going to talk about several things. Okay. I'd love to talk just to get started um, because it's, and it doesn't have to be in order your cookbook. Okay. It's okay. old okay. cookbook. I want to tell you something. I have been a judge for IACP and for the James Beard Awards. Mm -hmm. I've seen tons of cookbooks, and people ask me to review them, and then sometimes I have to say to people, oh, I'm too busy because I don't want (laughs) to, because it's obvious I don't like the book. Now, I took your book yesterday afternoon with a glass of wine, got back in my bed because I'd had a full day and i have to tell you something it's a beautiful book but thank you it's beautiful and what, but this is the big key to me to a great cookbook your introduction those first few pages that i don't think anyone ever spends enough time on yes it called me into the book okay so I want you, I know that the cookbook, it just happened. I know you've been cooking. You went to cooking school in what, 1993? Yes, yes. <gasps> okay. Shh. I know, oh no, don't talk to me, honey. I just had my 70th birthday. Well, happy birthday. Thank you. I'm so old, I, you know what I mean? Come on, please. I was at the last supper as a cocktail <laughs> yeah. Now answer me this. Tell us a little bit, maybe we need to start with a little bit about your background and your restaurant, and then we'll talk about the cookbook. So the people, because I have a tendency, because I have ADD to jump all over the page. Tell okay, us okay, to food.
1: Well, it's like, I'll jump all over the place with you, because I have oh, a little good. ADD also. So <laughs> I'll follow you really, really, really well. Um, you know, but they, the story, the story is, um, you know, always enjoyed cooking. You know, was always in the kitchen with somebody. Um, And really, I think it became a a place for conversation for me because I was the only child. And, you know, the adults were always in the kitchen cooking. So that was the only people I could talk to. So I would go in the kitchen with the adults, you know? And of course, they're not gonna let you sit there. You gotta learn how to do something. So pick the green beans or come here, learn how to do this. You know, so as long as they were talking, you know, I was happy to do whatever. And uh, I think I had a home economics class in seventh grade and was introduced to some things that I'd never seen before. The one that stands out was the fluffy omelet. Um, and I'd never had an omelet. I'd never heard of an omelet. So I came home and everybody, omelets for everybody, fluffy omelets for everybody. And my mom got this great idea and said, you know what, you know, since you like to cook, you know, let's get you a couple of cooked Books and I'm gonna give you so much money a week to budget for the groceries and what you save will be your allowance. You know, so from there I learned how to budget money. I learned how to, you know, cook and and cook well so I could keep so as much money as I could in my pocket. Um and you know just always like at that point loved cooking. You know, my, my thing was, I thought everybody cooked, you know, I grew up, everybody cooks. So I just assumed it's nothing special about it. Everybody does this. Fast forward to years later, I became a flight attendant, got the opportunity to live in different countries and, you know, experience cuisine and culture and, you know, still thinking because everybody I'm around knows how to cook. I made the decision to go to culinary school as a secondary career, actually something that I felt like I could fall back on, you know, because that flight attendant gig is just not the most stable thing in the world. Oh. Airlines going on strikes, things of that nature. You know, so I entered culinary school. Then I realized, okay, you know, the simplest thing people didn't know how to do, like cut up a chicken. I didn't even know at that point they had chicken already cut up, you know? (laughs) We cut chicken from the time I was a little kid, you know, picked up a knife, you knew how to cut a chicken, you know? So that's when I started understanding everybody can't do this. There's an art to this and I'm pretty good. So let's see where I can take this.
0: The valuable lesson that your mother taught you, when you were just saying that Deborah about you're gonna cook and the money that you keep is yours you know what and it's like home economics this he said several things in home economics these are things that could be brought back into our society today to help children that was brilliant your mother was a great idea and not only kept you busy and it kept you out of trouble kept me out of trouble yes my mother all my mother ever said is I, I had ballet lessons, we studied, I, walking. I mean, everything I did, Deborah, my mother people would say, Oh, your mother was so great with you. I said she was trying to keep me out of trouble. That's yeah. 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 In today's lingo, people would say they were tri- she was trying to keep me off the pole. But <laughs> I was never that thin. Anyway, <laughs> all right, I get it. How fabulous. So Mm-hmm. Traveled, you realize and you know one thing else you said, Deborah, even though some people can cook, some people aren't really good at it. And I don't mean right. that you right. know that. I've yeah. worked with people that even though they were they thought they could cook. I'm standing back thinking to myself, oh, they don't, they have no this. <laughs> yeah, It'll they're not them. good at this. Yeah. <laughs> Poor thing. And food's not, not good. I don't want to eat it, you know. And when I don't want to eat, that's when I know the food's not good. Because yeah,
1: I've had I've had some of those meals too. Yeah. <laughs> all
0: right. So how how do you get to all of a sudden be a restaurant owner?
1: So um, coming out of culinary school. I initially, you know, they said, oh, you don't come out of culinary school and get a job as a sous chef, you know, just get a job as a cook, you work your way up. Well, I had a 4.0 GPA. I was valedictorian. You know, I got a little job because it never worked in a restaurant situation, never professionally. So I um, realized, okay, you're kind of the underdog. So go get a job right quick. So I got a job like my last or so quarter in school and graduated and got a sous chef position and it didn't turn out very well you know i was working for a man who turned out to be a little bit racist and very condescending who told me he would have never hired me had he known how good i was you know he felt very very threatened very very intimidated and luckily you know i was in a position where i still had my job as a flight attendant if i decided to go back and I was one of these who, okay, I'm not going to stick around and take too much stuff off of you. You know, I, I've been around a little while because I started, this as a second career. I'm a little older, you know? So the idea of putting up with somebody else's crap was just not a part of, of what I was going to do.
0: I think uh, that when our sisters separated at birth. You know, and I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> embroider that on pillows.
1: <laughs> yeah it's like it's only so much crap you're going to take and after a certain year you say that's enough of this
0: you know ever when i was going to school in 1984 there were only three women in my culinary class Mm -hmm. i went to the cca in san francisco all the chefs were european they had no idea why we were there and would say things on a daily basis like i don't know why you are here girl Mm -hmm. because you will get no jobs Mm -hmm. you are no good and why don't you get me a cup of coffee yeah which they really wanted to drink they really wanted a coffee cup (laughs) (laughs) but But the bottom line the whole time i was there and unlike you with your gpa 4.0 they were kind of um scotch taping my diploma together because Mm -hmm. i've always been a doer not a studier okay that's but I thought to myself, the more negative they were to me about I wouldn't get a job or nobody wanted women in the kitchen, the more I thought, you're wrong. I thought I've managed my father's real estate office before that. I There were 50 salesmen. I understand money. I understand people's emotions. I understand sales. Fuck you. I can make yeah. broth. Okay? Yeah. I can yeah. make broth. <laughs> so I know exactly what you you felt you know what's amazing to me that it was a decade later and so little had really changed yeah yeah and yeah. as I and I went on and I read in your what I did when I got out of school ever then I got one job in a restaurant it was hideous and I thought and I moved to LA and I and I got into catering Mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. big fancy parties that the, we were doing there. And then I w- I lucked out. This was a piece of luck. The chef that was there would was addicted to cocaine. So I watched him. I thought, oh, he's gonna drop pretty soon. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he did and they made <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have kept leaving that cocaine on his it was just too easy. <laughs> no. I really, I was the organized zoo chef yeah. who all of a sudden the kitchen was cleaner and Faster than it had ever been, and they gave me the job. Yeah. So, yeah. women, uh, women, and this is for anyone that's listening because we have some lovely young women. You, Gloria Steinem taught me. Don't ask for a piece of somebody's pie. Bake your own. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, if we're gonna stand around, if you think that we can stand around and wait for white guys to give us yes. the decor, that ain't happening.
1: And that is the segue into, that's how I ended up with my own restaurants. <laughs> <So, laughs> that's it. That's it. I was sick of waiting. I realized at a point, people who I work for, I don't like how you're doing things. And I'm a firm believer. If I don't like how you're doing it and you're in charge, either change the situation or shut your mouth. So I changed the situation and decided it was time for me to be in charge all the way and control how I was going to do it, when I was going to do it. Yeah. You know, so I did start out with catering, you know, and then I uh, opened a restaurant, small little restaurant back in uh, 98 because the landlord wanted retail, you know? So I had little 25, 30 seat restaurant and I moved so fast doing a lot of these things that the idea of food critics and write-ups, that was way over my head. I thought that's for five-star restaurants, you know? That's the bougie restaurant, not the little spot in the little, little spot, you know, 600 square feet with 20 something seats. It worked out, you know, when I started, you know, the phone started ringing off the hook one day and, you know, I, I had to hear it from someone calling for a reservation that, you know, well, you just have this incredible write up and kind of, you know, establish establish a name in the city. I did well with that. And then um, I got a divorce and a divorce where he was determined to knock me to my knees. And he he did a good job of it, took everything. And I was a single parent and you know, trying to make my way, but I knew, you know, you still can cook. Easiest thing to do is to keep catering. I'll revisit the restaurant thing one day.
0: Divorces, uh, I, this is my, I've been married now the second time for mm-hmm. 25 years. I'm very grateful because he has been, he's been my partner. Do you know what I mean? In greatest support. One is in food, especially for women. As my career started to grow, he'd say to me, I don't understand why you women work so cheap. Why aren't you getting more money? I mean, I would introduce him to some of the legends of food at a food Mm -hmm. and wine festival. And he'd walk away and he'd say, you women are all working too cheap. And the first time he said it to me, I thought, oh, no, that's just how food is. Yeah. Do you know? Oh, that's just. And then I thought to myself, and I realized. So that's what you hope marriages are. My first marriage was also a Mm -hmm. learning experience. And um he never really got a job. <laughs> okay. And that was difficult because I had put him through dental school. So I was expecting yeah, some yeah. payback. You were I investing. Yes. <laughs> I was investing. So much more polite than I was. And then when I realized that my investment smoked a lot of dope <laughs> and didn't even clean clean up the ashtrays at the end of the day I couldn't yeah. wait to get out and can't, but you know the, what we learned from that I'm I'm convinced I mean what doesn't yes. kill you that old yeah. expression I learned I was never going to settle I was never going to tie my wagon to someone that yes do you know what yeah. I mean that wasn't yeah. that didn't yes. want to run the race yeah. like I wanted yeah. To. yeah and that's that's
1: pretty much what happened to me I you know, he had been the superstar in the limelight for so long. And all of a sudden the roles got reversed He didn't handle it very well. And also, you know, he complained, you know, he complained, but he <laughs> didn't do anything about it. And I felt how you're not willing to take chances. You're not willing yeah. to grasp at opportunities. And I'm really willing to bank on myself. And I want somebody who will bank on me also, who says, okay, yeah, you can do this. And that's not what I got. I'm like, exit, stage left.
0: (laughs) Oh, brilliant. And good for you. It's painful, but you know what? And sometimes, and this is hard for people, especially women, because, and you said it, I know in my situation, honey, economically, Mm -hmm. if we're tied in, if women haven't learned to make their own money then they have babies on top of it. Do you know what I mean? We we put ourselves, as I say to my younger girlfriend sometimes, do not put yourself in a vulnerable position because you don't know that this isn't the week that he's not falling in love with the girl that sold a pair of shoes, or she falls in love with someone else, or all the things that happen, or God forbid, they die. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Oh, I think it's such a good point, and good for you. And it, but the learning lesson is a lifelong yeah, one. That's
1: definitely, what I
0: want to say. definitely. And he, you, you. It was a favor to yourself that you got divorced. Because look it where you are now. It was
1: a favor. Um, and it's like my mom. I remember her saying, "You know, you went from my house, and then you got married and went to his house." You know, and I was like, oh, I don't want to hear that. And she's like, now it's time for you to learn how to stand up and be an adult. And and it really hit home. I'm like, she was right. I really didn't know how to stand on my own. And it's like, I think I knew it, but I hadn't had to. I I didn't have to. And so once I got put in a position where, okay, it's you (laughs) and it's you. And you have this little person you've got to you've got to make a way for. And that just propelled me to to keep moving forward and watching my business grow. And by the time you know she was adult, I decided it's time to go back to the restaurant industry, catering out of a a church kitchen, which I was like making way too much money to be in a church kitchen at that point. So like it's it's you you've outgrown this, it's time for the next step. You
0: know what is so wonderful about catering Deborah is exactly that though. You can control your hours. Yes. I love catering. I loved it. I had a fabulous career. And then the only reason, you know, it was tip, I'd been doing it for about 10, 12 years. I had yeah. I had my own business. I'd worked for one of the most successful big caterers. But I got pulled into food styling and recipe development by celebrities. Yes. And, yeah. And though in some ways, the first few years, I didn't make as much money as I was, had made in catering because I mm-hmm. was kind of really making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to do something else, just yes, like you yeah. want to do something else. Yes. And, you know, there's a, there's a timing for everything if you're lucky enough in life. And you yeah. see that door and you think, OK, I'm going to step through this door. Mm-hmm. Now, so how has, has it been horrible in COVID for your restaurant, or how has it been manageable? Or I would um, with your attitude, you just decided you were going to make it work. Yeah, we're, we, we're going to make it work. It was
1: one of those moments where I'm like, I'd be damned if I got this far, and a disease is going <laughs> to count me down. I'm like, no way. It's like, how dare you, COVID, think that this is going to like happen and I'm going to roll over. They talk about the pivot. I pivot and turn to 360 degrees. And we're we're looking for a bigger space or a second space. Um, yeah. So we did the right things the right way. There was no book. It just, like, I used common sense. I thought what I wanted. Um, and one of the the big things we did, well, we've always been very active with the community you know so the first thing we did you know when we shut our doors was come back in open up cook some food to start giving away you know I'm like I've got food people are in need let's cook and give things away you know so we gave food away to the frontline workers we gave seniors we gave uh, the other industry workers, food industry workers that didn't know what they were going to do. So we we fed people. Then we came up with a you know, once we could open to do carry out, we did a pay what you can model for quite a while. And then we, we went to a whole nother concept, a total carry out concept with chicken, healthy options of chicken and, and farm to table vegetables to try to get the farmers back going a little bit that we had dealt with. And uh, then the riots started here. You know, being here in Atlanta, it's the civil rights. It's the birthplace. And if you read the history, you know that a lot of the strategic planning, the safe space was the restaurants. And so we sat down, me and my family, and decided we've put in, in place. You know, we did UV ray filtration system. We did partitions. We took chairs out, but we still hadn't jumped and opened. And uh, once all of the riots happened, we thought, you know what, let's open, let's do a, a safe space, a place where diverse groups come and can sit and be on the same page and, and something positive come out of it instead of, of what was going on. It's like, it's just another way to, to deal with all of the civil unrest. Um, we opened last year, full service, half capacity on Juneteenth. So we're coming up on our year reopen anniversary. We cried tears when we saw the restaurant fill up and the support that we got from all people in the community. And, you know, little by little, we've been like going nonstop with a completely full half capacity restaurant and then outdoor seating, completely full, just constantly turning tables and little by little, we've added more seating. We still have not made it to 100% of our capacity, but we have made it to the same figures that we were doing pre-COVID with even more seating. So we- Never. Very fortunate.
0: Oh my God. And you epitomize that if you do good, you get good. That's what yes. I, yeah. I I I'm yeah. a firm believer in it. Do you yes. know what I mean? Yeah. I'm old yeah. enough to have seen it happen. Exactly.
1: I mean? Exactly. <laughs> my mom always said if your fist is closed, you can't receive either. She used to tell me, you will give away anything, everything. My mom had one kid, you know, everybody else on the block had multiple kids. You know, so I always felt a little bit luckier. We always had a little bit more and I always wanted to give a little bit of what I had, always wanted to share. Um and I think that really has held held fast throughout this pandemic and it really has propelled us into you know, a place where now we need bigger space.
0: It's it's heartwarming and it's inspirational. And I'm oh there's feedback all of a sudden, but we'll <laughs> Oh, I know, Cindy's probably just trying to broadcast this even louder because we're so brilliant, Deborah, that's it. <laughs> Poor thing, she can't help herself. She adores us. Let me tell you, that is an uplifting story. Honey, here in L.A., one or two women that run their own restaurants that have been friends for 20 years, it seemed bleak. Do you know what I mean? When it first happened, and it is bleak. And when mm-hmm. you have let go of your help or you staff that need they have bills they have they are hungry it's heartbreaking but you know what there is always a way to persevere if you take i think if you take the high road if if you want to feel sorry for yourself forget it you're going to drown do you know what i mean i always yeah Yeah. speaking from personal experience if i wake up and i'm feeling sorry for myself i only give myself a few minutes because i think one of the luckiest people on the planet yeah and I, I literally, I look in the mirror, yeah. I oh, fuck you. You are
1: yeah. false. Yeah. You have to kick yourself in the ass every now and then, you know?
0: <laughs> I think I've had the most idyllic life in the world. And any crap that happened, I jumped in myself. It was no one
1: else's fault.
0: So now, out of the restaurant. So now, how did you decide to write the cookbook? Did they find you? Did you have ideas? How did to, it how to come about?
1: I attended a, a little seminar, a little dinner and seminar with the the Lee brothers were speaking. Um, and I found them quite entertaining. You know, And at that point, cookbook just wasn't really in my thought. I listened to them and they spoke of, do you have a cookbook in you? Do you have a story in you? And I know my story is quite different for a... You know, middle-aged, senior, <laughs> maybe, African-American woman from Kansas City, Missouri. It is a, a little bit different story. And I know my viewpoint on food and what I experienced, I have kept it in other than you know, the few people who are around me or people who cook with me, they get little bits and pieces of it. But I felt like it was some things that I needed to speak forth louder. And you know, with that, just focusing on similarities, because that was the thing that struck me during all my travels and all the things I've seen is the similarities in in cuisine and how one culture's cuisine can be looked upon negatively, but the other culture can serve the same thing, and it is revered. That did not sit well with me, and I wanted to speak about it. And the cookbook. That was a way of speaking about it and trying to let people hear my voice a little bit louder, or understand why I do what I do. You know, I've had food critics say, "You know, oh, she had fish and spaghetti. Who does that? That doesn't make sense." Well, if you're from the Midwest, that's how you eat it. So, if you learn some of the history. You may find out that a lot of things make sense to to somebody, may not make sense to you, but there's reasons behind it before you start judging. And, you know, I wanted to do a cookbook that kind of encompassed that.
0: Well, I think you have because, and I'm only halfway through your book, but I absolutely love it. Thank you. I grew up in San Francisco. My family was Italian and we, in the 50s. Deborah, and of course we had this funny last name with too many vowels and <laughs> my grandfather spoke, spoke in very broken English. And I knew that people made fun of us sometimes as Italians, Mm -hmm. even though Mm -hmm. we lived in an area that everybody was Italian now, as I've gotten older, but as a child, I wanted my name to be like Deborah (laughs) Smith. I did. I did. (laughs) I wanted that last name that everyone could pronounce and everybody could write. But why I loved your forward so much. We ate beef. My grandfather was a butcher. My father was a butcher. So we ate chitlins. We mm-hmm. ate tongue. We ate the shortbread, you know, sweet bread, Sweet My grandfather made head cheese. He made all his own sausages and they would be hanging in the basement along, <laughs> along with his Cadillac, of course. Mm-hmm. And I used to think, do we have to drive Cadillacs? That's like the most stereotypical. Car. Could we find something else? And I no, <laughs> an American car, And Then we had barrels of the wine that Michael Mm -hmm. made. And everybody, and we'd go to the Napa Valley a lot because all the Italians had moved to the Napa. Mm -hmm. So I totally, when I was reading your book, it brought back fond memories to my childhood. But when friends, if friends came for dinner, it's like, I remember even being a little child, kind of scooting the head cheese right by them. I'd say, oh, you won't like that. (laughs) Or, yeah. And yep. I hear you know, there's prosciutto. Or if they saw mortadella, they all thought it was bologna anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, some of the more exotic foods, oxtails was another one. I remember thinking, ah, crap, I've got this hard to pronounce last name. And now, now we're-, we're eating oxtails. <laughs> <laughs> Oxtail. I mean, but of course, we ate it. One, because my father and his father were butchers. So we they were using every part Ever of the animal. Yeah. Yeah. And my father used to say every time, you know what the pig is an amazing animal, as he would sketch pigs like on cocktail napkins <laughs> <laughs> or you can't eat on a pig, he'd say. And I remember, I mean, I can remember all of it so vividly. And of course, we should all be eating like that, and we are much more now. And you, Food from our ancestors is really important, but I love the line in your book, we are not our ancestors anymore. So that's why your book, which I haven't said the name, the Twisted Soul Cookbook, it is modern soul food with global flavors. Yes. It's fantastic. Thank Thank you, thank you. I hope you feel very, very proud of yourself because, and I'm sure you got this in your seminar, Writing a book's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah.
1: I didn't I didn't listen to that part as much as I should because it was, you know, and I had a meltdown. Oh good. A couple, yeah, I had my meltdown.
0: Yeah, and like okay, get past it. Right. Cindy and I have jointly written. Cindy uh, the first two she wasn't there yet, but the, the last seven, Cindy and I wrote these books together. Now mm-hmm. let me tell you something, Deborah. I would be very dramatic during the middle of I'd had a meltdown on everyone, half <laughs> halfway through the contract. I would have a meltdown. And I cut my finger once on one of them. Just cut my finger. <laughs> Not on the knife, like what, I was reframing something. Of course, I'm mm-hmm. procrastinating. So of course, I'm doing something I shouldn't do. And it was a cut and I bandaged it. And I said to Cindy, I hope you realize that this is a cry for help. This is like a suicide attempt. <laughs> because I can't do it again. It's a very hard, hard thing. And when I, I just think that most people can't appreciate how much work goes into a cookbook until they've done it yeah i agree i agree really well you deserve all the praise you deserve all the praise in the world lady thank you so much now i got to see you i haven't watched your rachel ray appearance but i got to see you on the today show and that's when i wanted to have you on the podcast and Mm -hmm. i need people to know i was stalking deborah every time (laughs) i was stalking her and then when you replied, I thought, oh, thank God. And you were so sweet. You just said, I've been busy. And I thought she's thinking, well, wow. <laughs> because I'm known for that. And I need to tell you what I've had people say to me, okay. Meaning publishers in the olden days. Mm-hmm. If I, if I talk to you or publish your book, will you stop calling me? <laughs> and then I'd say, okay, so I cannot thank you enough. I, Cindy and I, I was the culinary producer on one of Rachel Ray's shows when she was still with Food Network. Oh, wow. <laughs> so when I saw you were going to be on Rachel Ray, I thought, oh, they're going to like each other because. Instantly. Well, you were, this is what I started to say. I'm sorry. ADD, ADD. You were so good on the Today Show. Oh, thank you. Be, and you were in your kitchen and here we're having to do all these. No one's in the studio anymore. But um, you have a natural presence, Deborah. and that, And I mean that from the, and I've worked with a whole lot of people and you are absolutely fabulous. So that's why I love to meet you. That's why- Thank you so much. Now, my darling, I hope you'll come back and visit with us again someday soon. Oh, yes. Uh, You're just, because there's so many more things you could talk to us about, more talking about food, and I'm with you. The similarities, when I was in, the first time I was ever in Kenya, Debra, Mm -hmm. on safari, I got to go. And all I got was this bread at the table at this beautiful little place we were eating in. And the food came down and I I kept saying to Michael, this food is from India. Mm -hmm. And you could just see the spice trail as it had left India and came down to Africa. Those trails of food all over um, and high on the hog. We haven't mentioned Ah. that, of course. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Now, I met Jessica... Dr. Jessica at ICP, Mm -hmm. same place I met Leah Chase, same place I met Edna Lewis when Mm -hmm. they were all still alive. So these modern goddesses of of food. yes. But Dr. Harris, which I could have seen, I'm hoping that show, the first time I read her book, all I thought to myself is, this is a TV show. So that was in 1994. So it's taken us 25 years to get that I don't know why it's taken us so long. And hopefully there's going to be more of it coming.
1: Do you know what I mean? I hope so too. I hope so too. Yes.
0: I'm on board. You are the next generation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm a part of it. I'm a part of it. Yeah.
0: But it's so exciting. I thank you so much for your time. You are so welcome. welcome. Thank
1: how you, how you for having me. You. This has been wonderful. Right. Well,
0: now listen. People, if you want to contact us, you go to our Facebook page, also called Women Beyond (laughs) a Certain Name. Cindy puts up all information about you, Deborah, so if people want to reach out to you and if you have questions, you contact us at womenbeyond at iCloud.com. But if you're looking to buy a cookbook, and so many of the women that listen to us, and then Deborah, we get notes sometimes, and they're from men. And I think to myself, uh-huh. oh, no, nice. I that. I know, I love that. The, Deborah's cookbook is called The Twisted Soul Cookbook. Modern soul food with global flavors, and I, I mean, this is a book you want to read, cook from, and enjoy. It would be a beautiful gift for someone, also. Right. And thank you, Miss Cindy, as always, Miss Cindy, who keeps the train on the tracks. Because <laughs> thank you, Miss Cindy. <laughs> yeah, because most of the time, Deborah, I, I'm as you can tell already, I operate confused. Okay, <laughs> I can't help it. Who so I am? Thank you so much. You are so. Good
1: talk to you again. Okay. I'm looking forward to thank you. Bye. Bye.